at 16, I had this um, like cowhide print skirt and a black top. It was actually really stylish and progressive. Thank you very much. And red pony hair shoes and a red pony hair matching bag. It sounds awful. And a black hat. with. Hey, I won. And I won um, Miss Teenager of the year 2000 in Broken Hill and I got a sash and I had to smile so much. I think that's where I perfected my, my smile. Hi everyone and welcome to Maker and Creator, the podcast about creativity, culture and inspiration and how it all affects us. My name is Jai Smith and I am joined by my co-host Alex Adams, also known as Ms. Ballinghurst. Hello. Hello. So uh, this episode, we were actually meant to record before we even started, but I'm glad we didn't because I don't think we'd know what we were talking about. Um, And so if this, this will be the first piece of content you'll be able to get, but Alex Adams was really the inspiration for me wanting to do this podcast, whether she knows it or not. But basically Alex formed one of those friends in my life who I'd known for a very long time. I think I've known for like 10 years now. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be at least 10 years. Adrian Player has been nine years, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was you and a bunch of other people who were in my life. And I'm like, I want to collect all these stories, all these like crazy people I've got in my life who are doing much more interesting things than I'm doing and like kind of make a collection, make an archive of it. Um, And I just really wanted to talk to you today about, number one, how do you think it went last week on our first episode? (laughs) And number two, you know, what like what's your journey been and what's your story? Because I think think that's such a core reason for me wanting to do this and you were kind of like, I'm like, if I ever get this off the ground, I've really got to go home, you know, to Australia and do it with Alex Adams because I think she's perfect for this. So now that we're doing it together, I think it's even better. Yeah, I mean, I'm just even flattered to be asked to um, to do the podcast. It's one of those things I love listening to podcasts. I'm, I love your Better in Bed podcast um, with Sarah, even though it makes me blush on numerous <laughs> of the Cunnilingus episodes. I still can't <laughs> listen to it the whole way through. Um, but I love that podcast and, um, I, you know, I just think it's such a fantastic medium. So, And the topic, maker and creator, I guess it is something that, yeah, I am really passionate about. When you first talked to me about it, I thought, well, you know, wh- who, who are we going to interview? Like... Who's doing something different out there, and why would you even want to talk to me at the beginning? I mean, you know, I run a media and events business, and and then I guess we interviewed Steve last week, and I thought, how are we going to make this podcast? How are we going to talk to forty five minutes to a guy who runs a cafe, used to be a DJ, and has made these reusable cups? Like, it's going to be really boring. Um, but I surprised myself. Like, we were actually super interesting. I can say so myself. You know, I think you're allowed to. Yeah. I was I was impressed. I was like, wow, I would listen to that um, outside of, you know, wanting <laughs> to hear myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it was really, really interesting. And I think the journey that it went on with Steve, we went in thinking about we were going to talk about one thing, but it just took mm. so many just different twists and turns into Sydney Night Live to overpriced avocado toast. To, you know, just didn't know where it was going to go. So I thought that was really, really cool. Um, what did you think? It went, it went good. Again, I knew Steve would be a good candidate. But I, di- I didn't know all those stories. And so I think I was just genuinely happy that I got a chance to ask him things that I probably assumed a lot of. Like I didn't really understand his belief in socialism and how far he took that. Yeah, and, that was huge. You know, how hard he was raging against the machine and how <laughs> successful he was out of that. Yeah. Like I think a lot of people say that shit, but for him to make a conscious decision to get away from the system he didn't believe in, I thought that was really kind of brave and, you know, really bold thing to do. And I get the, the, the oops, I just pronounced there microphone. God, I think I'd be doing better than this. 
Um, which is kind of a good segue into your journey because when we met, uh, we were at a social media meetup or something. <laughs> you were talking and I knew you because I just started getting into social media and I was interested. And like this is pre-Instagram, so, you know, Twitter was like the big thing at the time. And I knew you. I don't know how I knew you. I think I just followed you on Twitter or something and I knew Jai Smith and I was like, that guy's really interesting. And you spoke and I think I came up to you at the end of it and I was like, hey, you're Jai Smith. I'm Alex Adams. <laughs> And, um, and we went and had a drink afterwards and then just became friends ever since. And it was quite serendipitous how yeah. I guess it, it worked out. But um, So you've got, you've got two businesses really. Yeah. You, and you started two businesses at exactly the same time. Well, no, technically not at the exact ah. same time. So I don't know how far back to take you on my journey. but All the uh, way to Broken Hill. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. Broken Hill. Do we go to Broken Hill? Okay, so uh, <laughs> I born and bred in an outback country town of Broken Hill, well known for Pro Heart, Priscilla Queen of the Desert and Mad Max and Alex Adams, Miss Teenager. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Teenager of the year oh, 2000 God. at the St. Patrick's Race Course. Yes. Uh. So there's a lot of amazing things that have come out of Broken Hill. Uh, <laughs> I know you're impressed. <laughs> so then I came here, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, 18, do my journalism degree. I was like, did my degree, came out of uni, couldn't get a job. No one was, no one hired me as a print journal. So I ended up working in sales and marketing for about five years. And I think that's around about the time that I met you. I was wearing a suit to work. I was working in the corporate world, right? That's right. Yeah. You were very suited. Well, not that suit. night, but you, were, I'd met you later that week and you were suited for something. Yeah, yeah. Like I used to wear cufflinks and, you know. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like stockings and high heels and very different to my work attire now. So I was working in corporate and I very, I truly believe that um, through, through boredom comes creativity. Mm. So I was very bored in my job and what I was doing. And I was really missing writing. I hadn't written anything for five years. And so I had gone back to the, the community. I had this little community college course on writing and yeah. everything in the 12-week course was exactly the same from uni pretty much. It was a bit of a refresher except for two hours on blogging. And this was back in 2009. I was like, what the hell is blogging? This is amazing. <laughs> and there weren't that many bloggers in Sydney at the time, back in 20, yeah, 2009. Um, there was quite a few American bloggers that were starting to pop up. And I just thought, wow, this is really cool. I would mm. love to start a blog. And I think I had already started it um, before I met you. I had like a really shitty blog post. You had a blog spot blog, spot blog, yeah. blog or something. Yeah, I literally went home that night. I watched a YouTube, like how do I start a blog? And I was like, right, I'm going to, what do I love? I love eating. I love drinking. I'm going out and like, you know, playing and having a great time. So I was like, hmm, I'll call it Eat, Drink, Play. And that will just be my working title. And I'll come back to it. And then I'm like, I need an alias because I had my corporate job. So I was like, by day, I'll be Alex Adams and by night, I'll be Ms. Darlinghurst, living with Darlinghurst <laughs> at the time. And so I started that. So I think I just started that journey when I met you. And of course, you um, became my friend very quickly <laughs> and were like, we need to get you off Blogspot. And <laughs> That's right. I think I was just hypercritical of your Blogspot. <laughs> <Yeah. account for laughs> thank, thank God you were because it was awful. And you just opened my eyes to, you know, so much. I was technically retarded, I think, and also social media. I, I wanted to know more, but I just, yeah. I was, was starting at the, the, the bottom and yeah, you turned it into a WordPress site and you designed the first right. Adrian Play logo and you know, you just, yeah. you were like set me on the path. And so that was kind of going along and I started writing about bars and restaurants and whatnot. And then about a year into that, I was really inspired by guerrilla dining and pop-up dining that was happening in London and New York. And I was still working in my corporate job. Right. So by day I was, you know, writing my emails 
aka actually I was writing blog posts. I was pretending to write emails to clients, but really <laughs> I was writing blog posts and then posting them after work. Yeah, yeah. And then by night I was Miss Darlinghurst running around and doing all these things. And I think what I saw then was that there was a real gap for maybe it was the country girl in me looking for ways to connect people offline. But right. I saw that, you know, people were communicating on the blog and they were writing on it and they were tweeting and everyone was talking about food online, but no one was actually getting together and meeting people in the flesh and going because, and meeting Because this people. is before the big foodie culture hit, right? This, yeah, yeah, I think it was even pre-MasterChef maybe. Yeah, MasterChef was so. just coming out. Yeah. I mean, I call it the MasterChef phenomenon because a lot happened yeah. as a result of that. But it was, yeah, before food was everywhere and everyone was a food blogger or an influencer. And so I guess inspired with looking for ways to connect people offline, I came up with the idea of doing secret foodies. And the idea was really simple. It was I'm going to host a dinner party for 10 people, of which you were one of them, and I said just bring one person I've never met before. So 20 people came. Do you remember? Oh, uh, yeah, because yeah, no one knew each other, no. right? And we got texted the address like a couple of hours beforehand and stuff. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the concept is still the same, um, you know, like nearly – nine years later where, yeah, no one knew where they were going. Uh, you got a text message two hours before the location. The theme was Hong Kong nights. It was at a venue that had just opened up in Potts Point and um, 20 people came, had a fantastic night and that was on the Friday and I, I swear I didn't sleep all weekend. I remember calling my mom and I was like, oh, my God, mom, I found this amazing thing I'm going to do. I'm going to like run secret dinner parties. And um, I shit you not, on the Monday I quit my job. I gave my four weeks notice. Really? And I was like. It was that quick? Yeah, it was really quick. I was like, I'm going to run secret dinner parties. So I gave my four weeks notice. Um, you were like, again, you built me another website and you were like, oh, I'm yeah. going to help you with this one. I think you like helped me with that. And then. Um, That's right. We we're doing booking engines and stuff like some uh, calendar. I remember giving I don't us know. a yeah, you did. Like- you did it so much in the beginning to help me, give me that push. And also that confidence boost that I needed as well. And so, yeah, I, um, I was 25 at the time and I had saved the deposit for an apartment. And I thought, you know what, I'll buy an apartment anytime. I'll invest this in a business. So at 25, I did that. During that four-week notice that I gave, um, I sort of picked up some old boss came along and I ended up picking some work up um, a couple of days a week just to sort of pay the bills. And then I just sort of dedicated myself to it and thought, right, I'm going to keep going. Eat, drink, play at the time. Um, didn't Eat, drink, play didn't make money for years. I think the landscape has definitely changed and evolved over the years. So Eat, Drink, Play um, was, you know, this blog. And I remember I'd go to media dinners and I'd be like one of the only bloggers there and it'd be traditional, right, yeah. be like traditional print journos there. And they'd kind of turn their nose up a little bit like, oh, what's a blog? And then, you know, another year would go by and those people would be like, so how do you write clickable articles? And how do you get people? Yeah. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> Tell me about how to write a headline Exa- that people will actually read. Yep. And then, you know, two years <laughs> later, it's like mainly bloggers and online media yeah. and all those print journals lost like, had lost their job because they weren't writing clickable articles. So going back a step, the big question you've got to ask is like, why? Like, why did you even bother to do it? Like, why? Like, I understand the passion piece for Eat, Drink, Play, but why, why bother with Secret Foodies? Like. I just think I found something that I really loved doing. I, I'm a, a connector, I think. So I just loved bringing people together. Yeah. And whether, I don't know, maybe it stems from my mom. My mom's um, a bit of a, din- she was a bit of a dinner party host, <laughs> you know, queen. She would like every weekend we'd have people over for dinner parties and she'd be preparing and bringing people together over food. And I think that I just saw a way to just connect people and bring people together. Yeah. And yeah. And so- Going on from that, like, what was the confidence thing like? Because that's really interesting. I feel I, like, is it, did you lack the confidence then? Did you, you know, do you think many people do? Like, no, I think I had, um, <laughs> I think I have naive, I had naive, um, 
I had naive confidence, really. I For the first three years, I kept saying to myself, I can always go back and get a corporate job, but I can always go back and get a corporate job. And then three years into it, I was like, no, that's my job. Like, yeah. I'm not going back to the corporate world. I'm going to make this happen. And I did. So fast forward, you know, what, eight, nine years, E-Drink Play is now in Sydney, Melbourne. We've got a team of writers in both cities. My newsletter goes out to over 80,000 people alone in 80, Sydney. 000. Yep. Um, Secret Foodies, we do events in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Mm. We do a lot of private and corporate events. Um, we do a lot of like brand partnerships and activations. So I ended up buying an apartment three and a half years ago, albeit at a much higher price, but I ended up getting everything I ever wanted by taking that leap. Amazing. Amazing. And what what do you think was the, what was the number one challenge? Like, did you have people doubting you? Did you, you know, mm. did, did what, what did your parents say? My parents were really lovely and supportive. I'm of the generation, which we talk about oh, in the yeah. Steve episode <laughs> of you can do anything. So my parents were very much, you can do anything. You sure you don't want to go back and get your corporate job? Because I was on a good wicket. Like I was making really good money. I was on like, you know, six figures at a very early age in uh, my 20s. Mm. And then I remember my first year I went to my accountant and um, – in fact, like, you had an accountant in your very first years. Yeah, well, you know, I, I went to my accountant and I said, and he goes, "Oh, Alex, I'm really, I'm really sorry. Like, you made thirty thousand dollars this year." And I was like, "I made thirty thousand dollars. I made that. Are you serious?" I was like, "That's amazing." And I had never been more proud of a paycheck than that first year. I was like, "I made thirty thousand dollars. No one paid me that monthly. Yeah. Like, I created that money out of nothing." Because yeah, there was so no proud investment, was there? No, I yeah. I bankrolled it. So I had, you know, the deposit for an apartment and I just I, – I think the ju- biggest challenge I found was I, I definitely put my head in the sand with a few things. I wasn't great at the books. So that that money I definitely would have spent differently had I had some guidance. Really? I was only 25 at the time. I look back now and I think, oh, what did I – what do you even know yeah. at 25? And this wise know. old age of yours. Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, it's you know, <coughs> almost 10 years yeah. later. Um, and – yeah, I was really proud. Like, I guess coming back to the whole topic of this podcast, like making and creating, I was so proud of what I had made and yeah. created, you know? And that's it. You know, I think when people think about creativity, they think, oh, it's it's about art. It's about design. It's about something you can put on a wall. And it's not. And mm-hmm. that's really what I'm trying to crack here is that people who make stuff, make stuff in so many aspects of their lives. And I'm always fascinated, but why on earth do people do these things? Like, I think people are too afraid to ask why we started better in bed. I think I don't think anyone, you know, but it's a really nice story when you hear Sarah talk about why she did that and kind of how it came from this kind of oppression when she was a teenager and how uncomfortable that made her feel and mm. how how she genuinely wants to help other people. Like it just comes out of this pure altruism for her and I was just like that's amazing. Like I you know, I I love and respect her, you know, dearly, but the, the her purpose for doing that like changed like it changed my life a bit because mm. I was like oh wow like that's that's so selfless that she wants to do that for her. and obviously she's a smart girl she's got you know a business model around it and you know that's 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 gonna pay off for her but I think it's that bravery piece and that in, inspiration piece that I'm really trying to understand um what do you think uh in in terms of what did you where do you think we can take the podcast from here in terms of where making creative might go I think you're absolutely right. I mean, making and creating doesn't have to be even a physical sense. It doesn't have to be that piece of art that you put on the wall. So I'm really curious to see just, yeah, people are doing interesting different things and rather than just, oh, they're creating something cool, delving into the why, like you mentioned, I think that's what's going to set this podcast 
you know, away from, there's a lot of other podcasts out there, like you said, that are doing maybe similar topics, but I think delving into the why and what drives people to do what they do is, is the human aspect is really interesting. So again, using that as a bit of a, a next step for you, like coming up to 10 years, mm. and again, I don't know how that position is quite, do you think you'll get bored? Yeah, I think there's definitely been moments where I have been bored. And I think what's happened here is because I've always, um, I've always hired people and sort of juniors. So there are definitely times where I'm like, I wish I had someone who would teach me things. Mm. So I've always just tried to look externally for that rather than have that within my own business. But I think you also need to just be able to roll with the punches yeah. and, and adapt. So if I look at what I thought Eat, Drink, Play and Secret Foodies would look like 10 years ago, it's completely different and it's evolved in so many different ways. You know, we started doing Secret Foodies public events where people buy tickets and they come along and then, um, you know, I was like, well, why don't we just do this on multiple days as well? Because it started selling out and if we could only do 60 for a sitting, it's like, well, maybe we could do it on two days. 60 for a sitting, that's how big these are. No, no, they're more. Like Christmas in July will be 120 people a sitting and we're going to do three, four sittings. So it's become really big. And, um, you know, and then also people started going, hey, that was great. Can you do my birthday, my team building, my client Christmas party? And so I was like, yeah, okay, cool, we can do that. So just being open-minded and definitely having a goal that you want to achieve in business, but then also being open to other things, I think, yeah. stops me from getting bored. So what do you think, what do you think uh, if, if you had to break down almost best practice, it's not really best practice mm-hmm. what you do, but there must be, you know, similar to what we're talking with Steve about, what he injects into all his businesses and from an experiential point of view or from an idea point of view. Is there something that links both your secret foodies events to the corporate events, to the private parties, to everything that you do? Are there three or four things that you kind of know in your head or your heart that you kind of do or do you just, is it that fluid? I don't know. That's a really good question. I haven't really thought about it. I have to observe myself. There probably is things. There's probably different traits that I just apply that I don't even think about it. So I think wherever possible, I yeah, there's a lot of wank out there in Sydney. So yeah. I think it's just like cutting through the BS and being able to give people something that's real and genuine and yeah. being able to, you know, give them a real experience no matter what they're, they're doing. Yeah. Um, and real value as well. I think there's a lot of overpriced crap out there. So it's like gives people an experience that they're going to remember that they feel like it was good value for money and they're going to want to come back and again and again. What's your uh, biggest highlight moment? What's your, what's your most proud of moment besides that first paycheck? Oh, um, another good question. Um, I think last year I had a bit of a proud moment where I looked at our Facebook because we list all our events on, you know, Facebook events. And we had two events in Sydney. We had one in Brisbane, one in Sunshine Coast and one in Melbourne. And I just looked back and went, wow, that's yeah. cool. That's really cool. And we and then we sold out all of them. And I was just like, that's amazing. That's insane. Mm, insane. I was really proud of that. What's what's been the worst moment? Um, worst moment. Oh, look, you know, we've done hundreds of events and pretty much I'd say ninety nine percent of them have been amazing and, and but we've <coughs> we've had a couple like I remember one time, uh oh, it's only like year three or something into it. So I was still quite young and I you know, knowing how to adapt to this, but when and I had worked with this, uh, went to this venue, liaised with the chef, ate the food, everything was fine, we'd worked out to do this event, and then on the night everything turned to shit. Like we got there and 
there was a horrible smell when people arrived, <laughs> like the septic tank had gone or something. Oh. So people are like mingling around having welcome drink and canapes and there's a terrible smell. We took them up to the theme was meant to be like, um, it was like Arabian nights or something. We took them up and all the styling had just turned, like it had just crumbed down. And then the food was awful. Like the food was not what I had had when I went there before. And he like brought on new chefs. Um, the, you know, I did, we just got people drunk just to forget about it. And then I just remember being like, I'm mortified. That was a really shit event. So the next day, uh, and people were really polite. Like I think people were like, oh, it's, you know, it's fun. I'm getting out there and I'm doing something cool and different. And I met some nice people and yeah, the food was crap and there was a weird smell, but I still had a good time. <laughs> so people generally had a good time, but I was like, that is not something I'm going to put my name to. So yeah, I, I contacted everyone else. So firstly, I spoke to the venue and got really stuck into them. But then I also, um, the next day I emailed everyone and I was like, you know, thank you. I hope you met some nice people, but that really wasn't the standard that I, I want to be putting out there and, you know, offered a refund or a credit to everyone. So that they could come and try something else. So, yeah, you know, shit's going to happen, but it's about how you deal with it and deal with it quickly, deal with it genuinely and, and, you know, try to make amends when you've done something wrong. What, what, what's, what's your big dream? What's, what's, what's next on the horizon? Like you, you, you're a planner. You definitely plan things Mm. in advance. To do a podcast with my Uh, friend Jai. That's been a big one. I mean, to do different things and, and challenge myself I think I've definitely gotten more interested in, you know, that that sort of creative strategy side and working yeah. with larger corporates and brands, even if it is on like their launch events or, um, you know, I did some really interesting stuff a couple of years ago with Diageo and like their world-class cocktail week and curating that, that sort of stuff I really love. So I think maybe further down the track, Secret Foodies and Eat, Drink, Play will be part of a bigger, yeah. you know, whether it's like a creative agency or something that's bigger. Um, the Alex Adams I, Empire, yep. Yeah, just, you know, the, the empire needs to become bigger. Um, <laughs> yeah, just working on sort of bigger brands and more creative strategy, I think, is where I'm probably headed. But for now, I've still got some goals that I need to achieve in, in the business and um, and focus my efforts on maker and creator. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do for fun? Well, yeah, look, I like hiking. I love working. I mean, I eat and drink a lot for work. <laughs> so I love working out um, and running, hanging out with my friends. I love traveling. Um, And recently I've picked up the ukulele and I've been um, learning how to play the uke. I think we've got to get some theme song out of that or something. Yeah, I can maybe write a jingle. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, we've got to look at that. Um, Look, I'm really excited and we're going to keep this one short because it's going to be a little trailer one, but I'm really excited and I'm genuinely always smiling when I think about doing this. Um, and I think everyone else who kind of comes on the journey with us will hopefully get a lot out of it. So, um, yeah, thank you for agreeing to do this with thank me. Thank you for choosing me. <laughs> it's really exciting. Yeah.